Yay. I'm set. Right, Jules has finished adjusting himself. <laughs> That's why I've got a hole in my trousers. Ease of access. Ease to adjust, you know. I'm a member of the Adjustment Bureau. <laughs> Alright then, I'm going to start. Hello and welcome to another episode of Once Upon a Time in Some Guy's Parents' House. We're back in some other guy's parents' house to bring you this episode about Shazam. I'm your presenter, Mike, as always, and as always, my friends and yours, Jules and Rob, are with me. I've got an idea. I think we should review a film. Oh yeah, and why don't we do the uh, new film by Neil Jordan, Greta? That's, oh, that looks interesting. I'm afraid that's not available at our local cinema. Ah, oh, damn. That's fine. That case, that's fine. I saw the trailer, that? so I've seen the film anyway. Brilliant. Let's talk about Shazam instead then. Shazam! Shazam! Which is a DC uh, superhero movie about a boy called Billy who has no family, is sort of cast adrift uh, in life and is given superhero powers by Jimon Hunsu as a sort of old cave wizard. Um, and he has... We've all been there. Hello? Say my name so my powers may flow through you. But I don't know your name, sir. Shazam. It's when, he, when he uses his superpowers, he turns into a, uh, an, an adult, sort of, you know, big, muscly adult superhero played by Zachary Levy. And uh, he has lots of fun trying out his superhero powers. And uh, then there's a bad guy, predictably played by Mark Strong. Effectively, it's the superhero version of Big. It is exactly that. Yes. Mm, that's yeah. a better... Thank um, you, Mark Commode. Oh, you're like a bad guy, right? You literally did the opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do. The film started with the antagonist. Yes. And, you know, enabled us to empathise with his reasoning. Okay, he was a two-dimensional villain, but... He was, he's about films... as three-dimensional as a genre like superhero films can hope for. Yeah, it's acceptable. It's, and it's I think, uh, rather than just yeah. saying he's a villain just because... We get a little I bit. I empathise and I understand his, his motivations, and you know, it's, it's a genre where you don't need an awful lot more than that. But nevertheless, once we actually get Mark Strong as a as an adult baddie, he's irredeemable. He's, he's and yeah. he's really just oh, I want to beat Shazam. Like there are lots of scenes between Mark Strong and either Asher Angel or Zachary Levy, and I felt like there are a lot of sort of false climaxes. The first one you get. Is like, I'm going to take your powers from you. Ha ha ha. It, it never develops beyond that point. Mm. And, and I think it just needs, it needed a bit more crunch, I thought. How old are you? Basically 15. He only becomes aware of him at the midpoint of the film. Um, Mark Strong. I have no idea what the villain's called. Mark Strong. His name is Dr. Savannah. Savannah. That's it. Buddy is Savannah. You mean Mark Strong. Mark Strong Mark becomes Strong. aware of him halfway yeah. through. So therefore you've only got like, you've got the end of act two sort of plot point, which then comes them fighting and... It reduces the amount of time you've got to escalate Mark Strong's motivation because it happens so late into the film that he comes into contact with him, which I agree, I wish there had been more escalation. I guess the plus side is it means they got to focus more in the first half on... God, what's his name? It's, it's Billy, isn't it, the main Billy. Character? I always want to say Freddy or Billy and I got them confused. They're all alliterative, the names. Yeah. yeah. Well, what were the other names? Billy like Bats and Mark Freddy... <laughs> Fingers, <laughs> I made that up. Freddy Fingers. <laughs> Rob, can you name another film starring Mark Strong as the villain? That we both saw, and it's hilarious. Um, Robert Downey Jr. uses his brain to work out how to punch people better. Oh, Sherlock Holmes! Break cracked ribs. Traumatize solar plexus. Dislocate jaw entirely. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't really like the baddie in this. I I would say um, I'm I'm outraged. I think <laughs> yeah, it was great. I, I think it was very entertaining. The mm. sins, though, were disappointing, right? Yeah. The seven sins that he has inside him that are actually, like, the source of his power. We all know what They were really done. underdeveloped. You know, you've got seven deadly sins. You could make this. This could be a really iconic design, and instead they're just these sort of swirly smoke things. You could guess what a couple of them were, but you mm. should... You know, if you've got that, as a designer of, of a character has got to go to town, it's got to be cool, right? I mean, you're, you're using the seven deadly sins, and instead, I felt that they 12 aid this, and they were like, if we were to really go to town with the seven deadly sins, it would probably make it into a 15. I was going to say, in, in some respects, I was thinking this is quite a, a, a scary film, you know. Mild when... peril, I believe. Well, yeah, mild peril. Is. Because there's a point where, doesn't he burn <laughs> yeah. somebody a lot? Oh yeah, that's right, someone touches one of those um, uh, magical doors that takes you to the... The uh, Philip Pullman door from uh, the Northern Lights. Right, yeah. okay. 
That reference. And basically, they, they, yeah, they just burn from the inside out. And, of course, mm. the, the scene where Savannah comes back and takes so, revenge on his father. On Lex Luthor's dad from I was gonna um, say, yeah, Smallville. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, that's yeah. John Glover. There could have been a montage, for example, of the scenes... <laughs> I'm killing montage. So like a superhero montage, but it's just them people being murdered by... Yeah, exactly. Well, you know in Ghostbusters, you have all the different ghosts coming alive. Do you know I was joking, but now I think your idea is great. Yes, when he unleashes his <laughs> sins, let's say, upon the city, yeah. you could have different people committing sins and being uh, affronted by them. What the... if these, the way they killed them was like... You know how in horror movies you always have specific deaths that are like the... the well, that's why I was committed. To. Sorry, that you can say. Yeah. But then what would basically the last, what would seven? The film seven, the film seven but a twelve eight. But I was going to say, what would the last monster to do? How would that kill people? Well, exactly. It, yeah, it would have to be a fifteen, as you're saying. Yeah, essentially, like which one was Pride of the, uh, of the seven like ghost monsters? Which of them was Pride? They Tell attacked. me that's wrong. <laughs> oh, well, they're not recognisable. That's no. what you're saying. Rubbish. Yes. The one, yeah. Hang on, Pride. No, it wasn't the one with wings. I thought that was probably Wrath. If I had to guess, I thought that one was Wrath. Is the tongue one last? That's what it's I guess. It's got to be last. Yeah. I know we, greed we found kills, that greed killed, yeah, kills well, the father. Yeah, so it had four arms. And but the, and the blood one comes out at the end. Because they were underused. Get, get, get it? Four arms? Envy is the one that comes out at the end. Just Machamp, isn't it? It's that little guy. It is, it is. It is Machamp, yeah. Talking of antagonists, I wanted to talk about the minor antagonists. The ultra bullies from the. who seemingly came out of the 50s. One of them wearing a leather jacket. Spits on a baby. Yeah, that's, they, they, that's, that's, that's a bigger villain yeah. than Mark Strong. Yeah, that's right. One even <laughs> gobs on a baby. That was, that was the bit when I was like, you know, these guys need to... These, these it, was the, it was the insults they were hurling as well, though. What, included calling Billy's foster arrangement a fake family. Uh, <laughs> laughing and asking, where's your money? I mean, you know... Didn't they kick his crutches out from under him as well? Yeah, that's right. To beat him with him. And they they actually to, yeah. stepped yeah. over the melodramatic line and became comedy for me. It I think that was what they were going for. While we're talking about minor characters, I was going to mention the, the swearing Santa. Oh, yeah. He was funny. He well, was uh, the cowardly Santa, <laughs> yes. who says to a kid, Santa's always here for you! And then he runs off at the first sign of danger. And I think it's a particularly prescient piece of theological criticism concerning organised religion. Thanks for that. The certificate came up at the beginning and it said things like mild peril, violence and small horror. I noticed the last one said bleeped swearing. One of the warnings was also yeah. innuendo, which I thought, <laughs> I thought you didn't need to warn people about innuendo. I thought, I thought the point of these things is that you can put innuendos in children's films because then the kids don't get it and the adults do. So why, ah. do you have to have a, why do you have to have a BBFC rating warning about innuendo? Well, one, it gives someone a job. And two, um, maybe kids are just smarter these days. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I almost, I thought that's too obvious. <laughs> yeah. It's too obvious for yeah, Jules. The only thing that stopped me was I had to wait for a break in the, uh, in the conversation. Sure. <laughs> there are some kind of neat effects in this. I know it was probably not the biggest budget when it comes to DC movies. $100 million. $100 million. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty high. But then that's also pretty low for from DC movies. You've got things like the Magic Dust exposition hologram where the Shazam explains... Uh, a past war right. instead of having to yeah. cut back and for us to see all of that and that would also be more expensive we'll just see it in a hologram we get the gist the, the transport um, to the actual Rock of Eternity with the freezing windows in the form of transport that was pretty the car neat, yeah. or the, I like that. the train where Billy's memory of his time at the fair uh, mm. turned out to be rose tinted we see it twice and the second time the same lines are spoken but when we see it from the biological mother's perspective, the colour is drained out of the picture, and the impression we get is that she's at her wit's end rather than psyched up and lightly sarcastic as she was at the beginning. Yeah, well, she is a bit... Yeah, because the performance is slightly different. It's, it's got a bit of an extra sort of... Um, I want to say desperation to it. Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of praise has been heaped on this film because it's gone for a much more mm. sort of smaller, low-key, domestic-driven storyline. Like Deadpool, it's like, you know, they, they kidnap his girlfriend and then he has to go and rescue his girlfriend. These are emotional It's like a smaller, much smaller stake. Mm. Um, but this, you know, people are saying, oh, this is such a breath of fresh air. But this, for me, is exactly what superhero movies were always like in the 90s. You know, it's, I think now you can get away with making a film that basically is just what all superhero movies in the 90s were like. And everyone now says, oh, this is such a breath of fresh air. This is so, so interesting and unique. I don't, I don't know if I completely agree, because I think, I don't think like all superhero movies were like that during the 90s, but I agree that some of the better ones certainly were, because people, they had lower budgets, so therefore they were forced to take on emotional stakes and character-based things, and that made them far more interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I could think of things like, I don't know, Blade, for example, that's like Eternal Night or something's going to happen at the end and kill everyone, and as we all know, Blade's a fucking great film. If you think of the tier of superheroes, like the hierarchy of superheroes, mm. where like first tier you've got your Supermans and Batmans, 
and maybe like second tier you might have like Aquaman and Captain America or something. I mean, you know, what what tier of the hierarchy is is Shazam? How the, the same, duck? The same? Yeah, exactly. I was thinking Howard the Duck well, as well. I'd, I'd say the and same. Steel and Spawn, maybe. Or I'd that say sort it's the thing. same tier as something like Guardians of the Galaxy. People don't have. Um, expectations about what this material will be like and therefore it gives the cre- the creative people more ability to have fun with it and also it means they might not want the, pe- the Warner Brothers people sitting around their, their uh, boardroom might not pay as much attention right. to it do you know the history about Shazam and how no. Shazam used to be Captain Marvel Oh, really? What? So, Captain Marvel... As in the original Mar- DC Captain Marvel. Right, that's correct. Yeah. So, Captain <laughs> Marvel... Not, wow, this, this is, is confusing, confusing already. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, yeah, so there's two Captain Marvels. Captain Marvel was created in the yeah. early 40s, I think 39, but it was first seen in Fawcett Comics in well, 1940. Is... Then, yeah. they were sued by DC for copying Superman, it being too similar. He's essentially like a, another flying brick, as they call it. Well, isn't that why they changed his name to Captain Marvel? No, that's later, but yes, you're close. <laughs> So we don't hear from that Captain Marvel for a while. Later in the late 60s, Marvel Comics turns up, trademarks Captain Marvel. That's the point where you get your Marvel, Marvel. That's Marvel, okay. Uh, in 1972, DC acquired the Captain Marvel from the Fawcett comics, but then had to run any new comics under the name Shazam, rather than Captain Marvel, because Marvel had Captain Marvel now. And then <laughs> recently, the Jesus actual... Whereas before, the name of the comic was called Shazam, but the character within Shazam was called Captain Marvel. Now, the comic creation and the comic are both called Shazam. So, in the space Simple. of one month, we had two Captain Marvel films. That Pretty effectively... much. Jesus Christ. Uh, excellent research. Thanks, Rob. As a, as a, well, maybe as a, an extension to my original question, does this feel like a part of the DCEU? Is this actually it's not, meant... Though. It's not. No, oh. it's part of that new thing they've been doing. When they realised that all their Extended Universe films were just poisoned by the dark, gritty Superman shit, they changed it so that, I think it's called the, it's like the Elsewhere Universe or something like that. It's, the, the point is they're making... The same Elsewhere Universe? <laughs> elsewhere. It's, it's inside the mind of a uh, tiny child. They created some... Like, well, I say, they created something where each movie can stand on its own, which seems insane because that's really how it was back in the 90s, as we were talking about. So, it. does the DCEU not exist anymore? It, 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 I think it technically doesn't exist. I watched Gotham, the TV series, because it's old history of Batman and Batman villains. So you start seeing them come up, and a lot of some of the names they're not allowed to use because, like, the Joker. And they the weren't, and they weren't allowed to have buff. They weren't allowed to have Batman in it. The quizzer. <laughs> well, it's weird. They weren't allowed to ever say the Joker, even though the Joker is in it. So they just refer to him by the name the of the guy who becomes him. It's really right. weird. And Batman, even though it stars Bruce Wayne, <laughs> Batman is never allowed to be called Batman or be known as Batman. The wing. Wow. I know. Rodent. Bats aren't rodents, Doctor Meridian. And the whole reason they're doing this is because the, the DC people said people will be confused if there's a different Batman on the television than there is in the cinema. So. No, they won't. I know, exactly. It's, it's kind of insane. I think it's a good idea that they can allow directors freedom to make the separate films. I think that's a good way. Yeah. Rather than try to compete, because you did have this problem with uh, Ant-Man, didn't you? Where yes. Edgar Wright, creative differences uh, that come up, where these directors, they want to make something a bit more you know, unique to their voice, and then they can't fit in with the Marvel style, so they get shunted out. Or that's, well, that's why they pick up these young uh, sort of... Um, up-and-coming directors. Yeah, the ones usually from television. Um, like the Russo brothers who've just made ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah, and Sandberg mm. does seem... I mean, he's, both of his previous films, like I say, are part of a New Line cinema as well. This is New Line cinema. So it seems that he is a... You know, he's someone they can pull out of the drawer, basically, to make make a film like this. Has he done any television? Uh, probably. Because he feels more like a television director that's gone into film. I think he might have, actually. Mm. I, I was going to say, he has brought some colleagues with him. A janitor. And one is the composer, who I have nothing but respect oh, for at the yeah. moment, Benjamin Wolfish, who also scored Blade Runner for 2049 and um, <laughs> Sandberg's earlier film, Lights Out. In some places it reminded me of the theme song for the cartoon Peter Pan and the Pirates from the early 90s. Uh, there you go, there's a deep cut for you. Um, that didn't exist, Rob. But, uh, as I... <laughs> as Rob, Rob is the boy in, which this, in, in, which, in whose head this universe is taking place. Yeah. It did confirm my suspicions because there's a neat little behind-the-scenes video where they used a proper 100-piece 
orchestra and a forty-piece choir. You were thinking that while you were watching the film. The lot. Well, <laughs> it's, I, I, no, but I said at the end to you, I said, yeah. this doesn't sound like a Zimmer job. Like, you know, a computer I job. I thought you just meant because... Like a real I see when you said that, you just meant because it hadn't been composed by Hans Zimmer, even though it's a film. Are there any other well, points like, people want to make about Shazam? I got one point, which really just sums up my thoughts of the film, which is, um, I mean, I thought the film, I really enjoyed it for the most That's part. That's one point. But as an extension to that one point, the best superhero films that we tend to remember are actually sort of cross-genre pieces. Like Batman's quite noir-y and The Dark Knight's like a crime film and a psychological thriller. And there's like, and even more recently, Logan's like a Western. I think these are the ones that people tend to remember more of. And Shazam fits into that Marvel Universe homogenous thing where at best when these films do what they do as best as they can, they can only ever reach the heights of, yeah, that 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 was really good. If superheroes mm. aren't interesting enough, that they have to be sort of slotted into a kind yeah. of pastiche of an already pretty, but pretty well claimed film. But this is—it's like King of Comedy, but with the Joker. Do we really need that? We could do a little experiment, a little thought experiment. Okay. Um, Throw it at me. Pick Fuzzball. a pick a film. Pick a classic film. Okay, classic film. Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Okay, fine. Mike, give you a classic film. No, give me a <laughs> give me a superhero. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Actually, that works. That would work. That does. That does. Exceptionally well. I was thinking, give him, throw him a curveball. There we go. There we go. Basically, a selfish woman realises that actually she should stand on her own two feet. That would be a terrible... That would be a terrible... I was assuming that it was like Wonder Woman just gets injected into the story. Well, yeah, presumably she is the main character, right? Oh, right. Oh, you're not saying like Wonder Woman's like... You're replacing It's not like Wonder Woman's like Ashley... She's she could the, be observing yeah. and, uh, but yeah, that's... that's, that's so why would she be able to just watch it? It's sort of shaking her head from the sidelines. Why do you even need the, to, like, do a new In the burning film? city, like, uh, in the background, Wonder Woman's, like, holding up the building while, like, so some just, people run underneath. So you just have Gone with the Wind, horrible, and then you just cut to Wonder Woman. Revisionist superhero scale. idea. No, that's okay. Um, this is the new reboot. You just release old films with new frames in them. Yeah. Superheroes. Unagraded. Okay, what's a classic film? Uh... In Cena, man. <laughs> uh, well, uh, King Kong. King Kong. Right, and one of you pick a superhero. Uh, King Kong. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Captain America. Captain America and King Kong. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's the prequel. Yeah, that's right. It but in cool. that universe, Captain America hasn't become the super soldier yet, so it's just like a really weedy bloke trying to fight off a giant ape. Well, so this is a sequel. So it's totally irrelevant that this man then yes. goes on to All right, become Captain of, America. Yeah, exactly. Son of Kong. It could be Son of Kong deals uh-huh. with deals with. When does that happen? America. I assume after King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could create a new Fantastic thing. Four, but with just classic movie monsters. You should create a monster, mo- That's kind of monster fun, cinematic yeah. universe. Yeah. How about monster cinematic universe? Kong could be the, the mummy. We could kick it off. Uh, Sorry, mummy. Kick off with the mummy, then you follow Tom Cruise. Well, I was just thinking there probably will be one of those kind of 1609 style um, films coming out. Or the Neil Gaiman comic thing. Yeah, or a kind of, I don't know, Marvel film plus zombies. They'll, they'll start. Blending jobs. Hey, we together. haven't seen Endgame yet, for all we know. It could be full of zombies. Mm. Who's to say? Uh, Maybe they've already gone to that well. The p- main problems with these movies, and which makes them so disposable, is that they're always um, part of a serial, right? You know, there's, there's generally something that came before them, there's generally something that came after. And the superhero movies that really stay, stay in your memory are the ones that I think feel completely self-contained, where you don't have to have seen anything before. It doesn't feel like it's just leading into the next episode. It feels like the stakes are high enough, it, it grabs you enough that you, you actually believe that if things go wrong, this was really the end. Mm. Um, and, and I think the best movies in general do this. You know, they, they have a clear beginning, middle and end and they feel like a complete package. I mean, how, how would you fix Shazam? How would you make it feel like a 1989 Batman? I would make or... it ten minutes shorter. Well, I that would be it. And that would be it. Well, part of it's just... <laughs> I mean, part of it's just make your set pieces really, really entertaining, right? I mean, like, you can you can get away with it, I suppose, if you do make something where the set pieces themselves feel new and fresh and exciting. Uh, or you can get through it by having a much more interesting conflict for your hero to overcome. You know, a lot of these films, at, at their hearts, are the hero has to come to some kind of understanding. I mean, Shazam's exactly the same. But a lot of superhero movies, you know, there's an obstacle, an emotional obstacle which is put in the path of the hero and they have to overcome it and that's how they 
win the day. And Shazam is, is very much that kind of thing. But I don't think it's interesting enough. I think it's we've seen it all before. This is this is well trodden ground. I think with Shazam, so it's, it's it feels disposable and it feels just well, the writers have to have some kind of. Sure. So being tasked uh, with the job of of making Shazam, would you just reject the job offer because it's just impossible to to avoid retreading the same the same ground? Probably, it's an inherently not interesting enough. You think, well, it's it, it's a waste of my time, essentially. More or less. New. More or less. You're getting yeah. I've got a question for you, Rob. Okay. Yeah, go for it. This is the first film where we've used one of these meerkat movie two for one offer vouchers. Uh, no sponsorship included. It meant that we saw it for a reduced price. We saw it for like five fifty, I think it ended up being. If we had paid eleven pounds for this film, do you think you would have felt the experience was as positive as you feel it is right now? Just to clarify, mm. I'm not saying this is a perfect film. Um, I did enjoy it enough to recommend seeing it at the cinema, unlike uh, Elite Battle Angel, where I think I'll oh, mm. just check it out on VOD or something. But yeah, it does affect your decision. But um, however, you can have a film that goes so far off the, the bell curve that that you're never going to like it. For example, when we were when we were on that limitless, <laughs> yeah. only limitless I was just car, thinking about, and we yeah. watched uh, London is Fallen. Oh god! And um, yes, no, I want I, I want my free movie back. Terrible film. Yeah. Was this film worth five pounds? Yeah. Was this film worth ten pounds? Yeah, see, that's interesting. The pause there. As of a week ago, the international cube for this film uh, stands at three hundred and twenty-two million dollars. Uh, so, on a one hundred million dollar budget, it seems fairly likely that a sequel will happen. So, what do we think is going to happen in the sequel? Where do we go from here? Rob, why don't we start with you? What is Shazam Two? Here's the conceit. That strange caterpillar thing from the end of the film, actually that's um, Mr. Mind, who is... I love that guy. Yeah, I love he's that guy. a, and I quote, extra-dimensional worm that feeds on brainwaves. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of irrelevant to my conceit. Um, basically, that caterpillar thing um, has to get uh, Mark Strong. Uh, yeah. How do <laughs> you forget Mark Strong's name? He's Mark, he plays Mark I was Strong. Gonna, I was trying to think of the name of the villain, but I thought, nah, no, it's, it's going to fall back Mark on Strong. Strong. Um, that sounds like a villain's name as well. Dr. Strong. Yeah, Dr. Strong. Strong. It's certainly more fearsome than his actual name. Does he have a doctor? He should. Dr. Mark Strong, I would want to be... Get a PhD in something. PhD in evil um, studies. So the caterpillar thing has to get Mark Strong out of his jail cell. So he summons one of those magic doors. The catch is it's a random time period and or dimension on the other side. He takes the chance and jumps through. Batson and the gang are called upon by some ancient alert system in the Rock of Eternity and have to find which dimension is in trouble. Eugene works out that one of the doors is being eaten by some time-space woodworm. Which one's uh, Eugene? Oh, he's uh, the nerdy kid character. The little nerdy Oh, Asian the one that plays computer games. He's, yeah, he's the hilarious so one. I, I don't know any of the names of these characters besides Freddy and Billy. It's fine. And Mark Strong. Yeah, Eugene works out that one of the doors is being eaten by time space woodworm or something else. Maybe the hinges are rusted or something. So they find the one where there's a problem in the dimension and they jump through. Uh, only to be stuck in Arthurian legend. Oh my god. Sans oh, yes. powers. Wow, I would watch this uh, one already. Strong makes a deal with Mordred while the gang find out that Merlin was the original Shazam or something. Oh my god. Nice. It's Great. a quest for the Grail with the seven of them entering the woods at the point it seems darkest to them. Classic vision journeys unfold. Okay, it's essentially it's Excalibur. Shazam yes. 2, Shazam a lot. <laughs> That's, That's pretty cool. That's pretty I, cool. I would watch that. I would watch that, and I know that would make no money. <laughs> and everyone would say, Shazam is dead. Who thinks about combining things with Arthurian legends? And they'd say it's because people don't like Arthurian legends, but it's actually because it's a great film and just no one went to see it. Well, thank you, Jules. And it's interesting, is it tied into what you said about cross genres? How, um, but how adult in Excalibur are we getting? Because there's some pretty adult scenes in Excalibur. <laughs> yeah. I would get Borman yeah. to direct, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That would be an intense... I've got to say Shazam. And I would watch it. <laughs> Mike would watch I've got to say Shazam and the tone of intense is not one I'd really put, I'd put together. Wagner. Wagner. <laughs> Kids running through a field. Anyway. Oh um, I'm going I'm to give you mine. Yeah, please, please do. Please do. Please okay, do. so Shazam at its heart was essentially a sort of family got together movie. Mm. So it's like the gang's together. So in the sequel you have to have something that breaks the family apart. Uh, and in this case, I think because the protagonist is a teenage boy, it needs to be romantic in nature. So you have a sex appeal villain who blindsides Billy Ooh. as to, you know, what's right and good. 
and leads him and appeals to his irresponsible side. You could clash that with a good romantic interest as well. So you've got sort of, you know, being pulled in two directions. Uh, I put the worm could be the mastermind, but frankly, I don't really care about the, the actual law of the, the program. You sound like the people um, on the DC. I also yeah. think you. <laughs> Is there kind of? I also think you could. I think you could lead. You could lead Billy into spending all of his time as Shazam. Uh, you know, and, and spending like uh, two, not no time as an actual boy, and spending all of his time as the mm. as the superhero. What's uh, the cost of that? And the, mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, and no, spending no time with his family—that's that's the bad thing. And and obviously, you've got the, the comedy potential of the adolescent adult thing with a lot of sex thrown in as well. So, I think that's that's the line. That's the route I would take it down. Evil temptress villainess who uh, who tempts him away from uh, what what's good and right. Superhero Porky's the remake of Bedazzled, but better. Yeah, sort yeah. Of, you know, I mean, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? It is. Yeah. If, if we switch the, the genders, would we have a problem with it? Probably. Possibly, mm-hmm. it would be more questionable. But um, and that's the thing with big, isn't it? You know, there's the yeah. That gets pretty. They get together. That get pretty. It's kind of creepy. Oh, by the end. Yeah, it was, yeah. There yeah. are probably quite a few internet articles about it. I'm sure there are. Uh, anyway, that's my take. Jules, do you have a have a third sequel idea for us? I uh, I have a confession to make. I forgot to do a sequel, but. I'm a writer, a storyteller, a dream weaver, if you will. <laughs> visionary plus actor. A visionary plus actor. So, much to your chagrin, I, uh, I'm willing much to... Much to my chard grin. Your chard grin. <laughs> much to your chard grin. Oh, okay. Much like the woman whose face explodes on the door into fire in, in Shazam. Your chard grin. I'm, I'm willing to try and improvise one. Oh my and, god. And if it's terrible... Have you even got a well, thread now? No idea whatsoever. What? If this That's is... why he's still talking about it. Here we go! <laughs> My logic is, if this is terrible, it'll be cut out. And if it's good, and you're hearing me say this, then what you're about to hear is... It's a film made in the last 30 years, so exterior, uh, cityscape, establishing. Boom. You see it. And, um, Which city? It looks, uh, well, it looks shitty, and you're like, oh, it's an apocalypse. Yeah, and then you realise it's, it's, it's not an apocalypse, it's Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Uh, just, it's a shitty place, people shouldn't live there. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> you cut to the front of the bank... The first century bank, we'll call it, and then we're inside, and there's a, there's a bank teller, and she's like, she's just doing her job, and, uh, and there's a man, and he's like, a, oh, can I help you, sir? He's like, hello, I, I, I'd like to make a withdrawal, please. She's like, oh, how much would you like to withdraw? And he goes, everything in the safe! This is a robbery! And there's guns in the air, and, and it's like, oh, God, this is a robbery. And then there's, there's a voice from next to him, and it's, uh, hey, douchebag, you, sh- you shouldn't do that. Hey, kids, do you not know what a gun is? If I, if I see you again, I'm gonna put two inches of lead straight in your f- <laughs> The bank teller, and she's, un- she's under the table. She's about to press the button. The, uh, yeah. fly across behind him. <laughs> Shazam, whatever. And I've got a withdrawal to make myself. You from this bank. But I'm gonna get it. I'm setting the seeds. I'm setting the seeds. Okay, okay. He smashes through, and, um, he smashes through, and, uh, if you don't, if you don't let us rub this bag, I'm gonna kill you and the, the woman's holding the dog oh, right. up to her neck. And, and yeah, that's uh, gun. I was a knife, right? A knife, yeah, a yeah, knife. Yeah. Of course, yeah. it's got to be a knife because um, you know you got to get it's got to go through both of them at the same time. And well, then just couldn't do that. And <laughs> then uh, put it dog down. stop speeding bullets, much like Shazam. <laughs> We've really grown as brothers and as friends, and nothing will ever change that. <laughs> Russell's his little, his evil caterpillar mustache. Um, Skip to the end. I'm not. This is the first <laughs> act. And yeah, we don't, you can't do the first. Much, come on. And, <laughs> the conceit uh, of the sequel. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna jump ahead. I'm gonna jump ahead. They fall right, out again. Jump, we jump ahead. Okay. I'll, I'll jump. I'll jump ahead. <laughs> like in the first film. I'll jump ahead. I'll jump ahead. MacGuffin Mountain that holds the magical crystal of demonology, uh, which just happens to be where we put the demon ball. It's the demon ball. He's going after the demon ball. Fruity, don't take the demon ball. It will make you evil. And we're best bros and friends, and nothing will ever change. Like, oh, but think of the power. Think of everything. And so, Freddie, what did you do? That was really good. That's thanks. the midpoint. That's the midpoint. That That's the midpoint. That was great. I can't I'm about wait to, to I'm, I'm about can't to arc, about to arc into a dark, gritty DC movie. Turning the entire world into a, a foster home for Earth. He throws himself into the space laser with both of them. It destroys. Uses the word Shazam and a lightning bolt comes down. Destroys. There's been no jokes in the last <laughs> three hours, by the way. There's been no jokes in the last three hours. And he cracks his deck and he shouts up, No! Credit screen happens, the first credit screen, and it's a Rage Against the Machine song, and it's like, yeah! <laughs> Comics are for cool people, fuck the system, yeah! 
behind, and in his hand we see a playing card, and it's got the Joker on it. No way. And then, uh, yeah, no oh way. And then we get to a regular black credits, and it's 20 minutes of CGI. Impressive. Thank you. Good riffing. Thank you. So should we move on to another segment? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I thought I could do that a lot quicker as mm. I was saying, and then I realised no, what that plot will lead into that plot point, and then it was. Oh, see now I'm realising should have been a MacGuffin. No, I'm not going to think about it. Okay. Because oh, the evil villain guy, he should have been. Yeah, the it's always fine. No, the caterpillar should have. It was his evil plan to get Billy to take no Freddy to take the evil demon ball, and that's why he tricked him, and that's why at the beginning look, look, he said to him, I'm "You're sorry. trust me." <laughs> I'm sorry to piss on your cornflakes, but that demon ball was in the Rock yeah. of Eternity, not in some castle of the sky. What's the Rock of Eternity? It's in there. It's there. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Um, the rock it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We've had enough of that. Oh. So, okay, it's that time again. It's time for us all to go into marketing poster mode and come up with a tagline for Shazam. In space, no one can hear you scream. The brother of the director of Ghost. Be afraid, be very. Whoever wins, afraid. we lose. Tag your flick. Tag your flick. Mike, you go first on the tagline. All right, I, uh, I, did, I did think of one this time. Uh, here goes. He can step up if he grows up. Mm, yeah, nice. that's my tag. I like it. Thanks. Not bad. Step up for Shazam. Step up for it works. Shall I go next? Go for it, Rob. Okay. Well, I'll probably take about two hours to do mine. So. <clears throat> right, I don't know if I should explain the, the poster, but okay. <clears throat> <laughs> a lot of kids catch a bus in the morning. Billy took it literally. And it's yeah, like, it's good, it's like it's the, the poster is the kid yeah. pushing putting his arms up to catch the bus with the biggest shadow of Shazam behind him doing the same. That's, that's really nice. That's the deal, yeah. And Rob has a drawing of it there. I do, there you go. Can you is see? That, what do you think? Paint? Really good, yeah. Yeah. Is that... It's the best part of the episode. Jesus. Are you sure that's... Is that a little racist? Okay. Uh, taglines. Very simple. No, very simple. Very sweet tagline. Uh, boy, that's a superhero. Uh, nice, yeah. Yeah. Simple. I like it. Yeah. That's it. Then the poster would be irrelevant. It could have an old man on it, and he could be a superhero, <laughs> and he'd become an old man. Actually, you know, you know, last episode we were bemoaning the passing of taglines in films. However, it would appear that there are some official taglines for Shazam. Who are there? These are: if you want to save the world, say the magic word. Oh God! I don't, Shazam. Uh, please tell me it's Shazam. Uh, next one, just say the word. Yes, word. Um, he's not so serious. And every hero has a secret. The thing is, it's not so serious. It needs you to know about the Dark Knight in order to understand it. And that last one could have been like a hundred films. Who's zero to superhero? Yeah, yeah. Or who said growing up was going to be super mm. easy or something? Like that. <laughs> Welcome to the big time superhero. Or that big. How about it's like big? What with superheroes, right? He's a big superhero. Um, wait, sounds a bit dodgy. I, I can, I can go. I can do another one because everyone, exciting news! Uh, we received a fan letter. <gasps> Holy shit! Wow! Um, which I will now dutifully read to you. I don't think I've ever been this excited. Just wait, Jules. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait to be. I really wish I was wearing my trousers. Okay. Here, here we go. Dear Mike, last month I was listening to Once Upon a Time while ironing, as usual. When Jules started talking about the parallels between Alita Battle Angel and Encino Man, a cold shiver <laughs> ran down my spine. How had someone noticed? How had I failed to cover my tracks? Before I knew it, I had burned a hole in my favourite pair of socks. For weeks now, I haven't gotten so much as a wink of sleep, so now, heavy-lidded, I tell my confession. It was the summer of 1991. Terminator 2 was entering theatres to rave reviews, and I felt unstoppable. Hollywood Pictures called me to talk about a new project. My dream project. Brendan Fraser and Sean Astin were already on board. I couldn't turn it down. But there was one problem. The title broke my golden rule. Ever since that day at the funfair in 1963, when the old fortune teller told me in her broken voice, only stories beginning with A-L-T will buy your hands the million C before vanishing into a mist of cackling laughter. I begged Hollywood Pictures, call it Anaheim Man, Tahoe Man, anything, but they wouldn't budge. So I had to, had to turn it down. It haunted me for years, 
every time I saw that smug look on that bastard Fraser's face, <laughs> then, <laughs> then I saw my opportunity. As I read the treatment for Alita Battle Angel, I saw the signs. This was Encino Man Reborn. I tried to hide my excitement, but I didn't have to. What shone from the pages like a holy revelation was lost on others. Until now. Writing these words soothes my soul. Mike, tell Jules he was right about me. Tell him he was right. Yours sincerely, Jim Cameron. P.S. Love the show. Oh. Fucking knew it. it. Thanks very much, Jim. I knew it. This proves nothing. (laughs) Well, if I'm right about that, I must be right about everything. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think he knows that we have such a small listenership that uh, no one will ever find out his secret. And that listenership just hit the iceberg. I'll never let go of our seven subscribers. (laughs) Right. Uh, any other, any, anyone else wants to write in with some fan letters, please do, and we will read them out. It's time for quiz time. Yes! Yay! Uh, it's uh, three questions, and each question has three possible answers. Question one, 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 one. The character of Shazam was born in 1939. That at the time went by the name of Captain Marvel. Which one of these... (laughs) Correct! Which one of these is the real Captain Marvel villain? A. Hate monger. B. Captain Nazi. (laughs) Or C. Detective Chimp. Oh, oh, I know Detective Chimp is a real character. At least I believe it is. What was the first one again? Hate Monger. Hate Monger. That sounds like the villain from um, uh, Black Panther's one, but slightly bastardised. It was called something Monger. Um, Warmonger. No. I don't think it was an actual not. word. It was like, okay. but it was like it was his surname. But uh, that's, I'm wondering if that's what it, Hate Monger sounds a bit odd. I've genuinely no idea, but I'm I gonna, think I'm gonna. I think Detective Chimp is a real character. We're a team, Detective Chimp. That's my answer. I think it's a real character. Final answer. Final yeah. answer, Detective Chimp. I'm afraid you're wrong. Am I wrong? I led you down a bit of a, a dark alley because Detective Chimp, he is a real character, he but he isn't a Captain Marvel villain. Oh, He's actually uh, a pal of Captain Marvel. Um, <laughs> he was captured. In, <laughs> so gross. He was captured in Africa in the fifties to perform in a sideshow. Uh, he later drinks from the Fountain of Youth and joins Shadow Pact and Justice League Dark. His first appearance was in Rex the Wonder Dog number four. Doctor Chip, the Wonder Wonder Dog. Rex the Wonder Dog. (laughs) That dog was never the same again. (laughs) (laughs) We should never have let the chimp have that dog. That's Detective Chip. Detective Chip. Who is the who's Magda then? The correct answer is, is Captain, Captain Nazi. It's Captain Nazi. A genetically oh altered supervillain who uses a special gas in order to fly. Oh no. Oh god, I don't want to... <laughs> what was the people that were under the gas? Hatemonger was a Captain America villain. Oh right. Uh, Adolf Hitler's consciousness in cloned bodies that were a kind of KKK <laughs> with the letter H on it. Comics are for cool people. Wow. So there are a few why, why, in why do we? Why do we talk about these things? <laughs> Out of all those, I'm still amazed that, you know, that even though I knew it was true, I that Dr. Detective Chimp is still a character. Yes, so that's, yeah, it was a bit cruel, but there you go, one nil to the Quizmaster so far. Question two. Okay. The serial, Adventures of Captain Marvel, Curse of the Scorpion, uh, is often considered one of the most critically acclaimed serials of its time. It has all the hallmarks of an exciting adventure romp, a scorpion idol that can turn rocks to gold, Captain Marvel, machine gunning people in the back, and of course a vengeful volcano. One of the directors of this serial, William Whitney, made quite a few films in his lifetime and is considered by Tarantino to be a lost master. Which one of these films is not a Whitney classic? Whitney classic. I think I did one of those yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, by serial, you're not referring to like, see what you have for breakfast. This is... A film serial. A film serial. The same length of one, one Marvel film, but in different parts. Oh, depending on how Okay, so the options are A. Mysterious Doctor Satan. B. Dick Tracy versus Crime Incorporated. Oh my god. Or C. Beach Hula Party Two. <laughs> I have one question. What were we meant to? What was the actual question? Which one of these is not a, a Whitney, William Whitney classic? <laughs> which classic isn't Can I hear them again? 
Mysterious Dr. Satan. <laughs> Dick Tracy versus Crime Incorporated. Oh, what's Dick Tracy made by him? Mm. Or Beach Hula Party 2. I want to say that the Dick Tracy one probably is real. But is it maybe... It sounds like a, maybe Rob's... But then maybe coming off the last question, he's made it so... That, I mean, I'm metagaming here, but he's made I it so the next yeah. suggestion is the, the obvious one is true. Maybe. Do you have any inkling besides the same as I, I that say, Dick Tracy is real? <laughs> I just... Hula Party 2 feels like it's too wrong, so I'm going to guess that actually is him. Like, that's the, mm. that's one that seems out of place, so I'm going to not leap to the obvious thing and say that one. And I'm gonna, and and I reckon maybe he did make a Dick Tracy. So I'm gonna I my, I'm leading to mysterious Doctor Satan is the one that I I think is right. uh, from Rob's crazy fever fever brain. I I I think it is Hula Party two or whatever. But because I led us down completely the wrong stretch on the last question, I'll I'll go with your lead because I think that is definitely can, the most can, likely. We can split if you like, and we could we can be in competition. Oh God, if it's uh... how annoyed are you gonna be if you were right? It will affect me to no degree whatsoever. In that case, way. we're both going with yeah. Mysterious Captain Satan, Mysterious Doctor Satan. But if it's Hula Party 2, um, amazing. But if it's not, everything's fine. Mm. I'm afraid it's Beach Hula Party 2. <laughs> yes. There yes. was a fad of... I was trying to trip you up, you see. Um, there was a fad of beach party films in the mid-60s. That's the first being of. in 63 called, unsurprisingly, Beach Party. Yet... I'm afraid Whitney didn't get in on that fine sun-kissed dollar, but he did turn to exploitation with his somewhat divisive last film in 1974 called Dark Town Strutters. Anyway, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in right. because I thought, well, his, his, his filmography extends into the 60s and then the very early 70s. So I thought, well, what's a sort of mid-60s film he could have probably done? And uh, yeah, I was still thinking, party. I was still thinking about Detective Jim. <laughs> Too clever for me, I'm afraid, Rob. No, that's fine. I, mean, I, uh... Uh, I hear that a lot. Okay. <laughs> Question three. Shazam. Right. We can try and we can get one right, dude. We yeah. can get one right. Shazam had a TV show named after him in the 1970s. Okay. But did you know that it spawned a spin-off called The Secrets of ISIS? <laughs> and no, it was not a deep dive into terrorism, but a show which featured the first of its kind where a female superhero was the lead protagonist on television. Andrea Thomas, a school teacher, transforms into an Egyptian goddess. Which of these is not a real episode title? Oh, God. A. Seeing Eye Horse. <laughs> B. No drums, no trumpets. No drums, no trumpets. No trumpets. Yes. Um, it's very relevant. <laughs> important to make that distinction. Very, very relevant. Uh, no drums, no or trumpets. Or C. Ra, ra, ra your boat. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, please be C. Jesus Christ. So, so the question ra, is, which ra, is not a real episode? Oh, not? So, yeah. Which one isn't? Not a real one. Mm. Rah 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 boat is similar to the last question. Is it too much of a um, a a pun where it would be going too far? So I, I mean, I think it is that one because I think that's. Mm. If I think I'm trying to put myself in, Rob has to think of some amusing episode (laughs) titles relating around Egyptian gods and. He went with rah, 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 your boat. What's I think, the other two? I think that sounds Yeah, but he could have, like, he could have like seen it on something else. else. And it's like, it could have been the title of something else, and he just took that one. Seeing Iron Horse. That is so stupid. I don't think you'd do that. Um, no drums, no trumpets. Which you got, which you mean. Yeah, they're too obtuse. Rah, 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 your boat. They don't feel like they come I, from your brain. I think rah, 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 your boat. It's a very good title. Thanks. Yeah, I, I reckon it's rah, 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 your boat. And if we're wrong, then uh, you should have come up with rah, 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 your boat, because it's hilarious. Is that the final answer for both of you? Yeah, well, yeah, right, right, right. You're correct. Yes! That was we my title. And I did think at the time, actually, this isn't as clever as the last question, but I, I also thought, let's throw we've, the bone. We've got to get one of them right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one, right? Yeah. You made it much more difficult, because when I did it last time, it was a 50-50, but then yeah, you've given us like a one in three chance. Well, I had like four or five answers for that bloody That's Captain right. Nazi question, and I was like, I better whittle them down, because there's so many stupid <laughs> characters. So the, there's a bonus question here, um, okay. but I, I'd be very surprised if you guys got it. Wing um, it on us. Bonus round. In the 19th... 19- Please don't bonus in this round. Okay. Shazam is actually an acronym, and each le- letter stands for something. Oh, I thought this might be true, actually. Yeah. I, when I was watching it, I thought this is probably... A... Do you uh, know... Shitty, horrible actors... Oh, what could be with Z? Is it maybe all the powers? So Zap... So Z, I want to say, is like Zap, zap and it's the lightning. 
And one of them will be something to do with flying. Speed. One of them, sp- yeah, okay. You're close. Okay. But do you think it could be the names of like the old kings or the friends or oh, their, their names or something? Joel's is getting there, yeah. getting warmer. Like the, the, the five at the round the sea to the old... Oh, so is it like years. Achilles? And, yeah. Because um, that was one of them, wasn't it? Was it was Achilles and... What are the others? <laughs> Mercury yeah. is M. We have two of the letters. Yeah, we've got them. Um, yeah. So what was... I don't remember. What were the others? Um, You've got Shaz to do. Shaz to do still. <laughs> one of them is... Oh, you wouldn't not believe how many times I've heard that. <laughs> Shaz, so what could Z? Oh, Zeus is Z. Ding. You have three more. S, H, and A. Is Hercules one of them? Correct. Amondo. Yes. So S, so and, a. S and A. Um, the other What's a. the first? What was the other A? It was Achilles, wasn't it? Okay. Was, um, the, the wisdom of Solomon. Correct. Yes. You have one yes. last. And it's who? who? And it's A. It's a. a. Think of another Greek god. He has he has a, sort of an impossible feat to uh, on his shoulders, let's say. Oh, Atlas! Correct, oh, Mondo. So I think we should probably give our final thoughts on the film mm. Shazam. How about we start with you, Jules? What did you did you like Shazam? Would you recommend Shazam? I, 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 as I said earlier, it was a film I liked very much, but it has the caveat of being it belongs to a genre where at its best it's forgettable. But the two hours I was in the cinema, I I. I laughed, I cried, I came out, I was like, what did I laugh and cry about? Yeah, I remember the emotions. Good uh, film. I think if you like superhero films, you'll like this film. I thought it was a pretty forgettable movie. I certainly don't think this is one to watch in the cinema. I think you could, get, I think you could enjoy this at home. Um, like, this, this big screen spectacle side of it wasn't good enough either, really, to, to make it stand out. Uh, I'd say, you know, watch it for free if you get the chance, if you really like superhero movies, but otherwise just don't bother. You, I think you'll know if you like this film mm. before you watch it. I reckon it could have done with 15 minutes chopped off, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah. otherwise I enjoyed it. Would recommend seeing it on the big screen, if not for the fact that we're woefully behind schedule as usual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we should, we should move on to our final segment, which is uh, where we consult the book. No harm ever came from... Reading a book. Sorry, I do need one last wee actually. It's quite desperate. <laughs> I don't think I'll sit through five Leave minutes of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. This is the section of the show where uh, we consult uh, a book and uh, extract a word from it, which we then use to uh, free associate to uh, a film of our choice. No! You must not read from the book! Uh, Jules, you were brave enough to consult the unholy pages of the Necronomicon last uh, time out. Can you remind us what word uh, are we using today? The word, the most frightening word in the Necronomicon was discovered, and it is the word new. New. With no K, just any no K, any W. I, I think it was from <coughs> the Nakilafolobotep. Uh, ah, I see. Uh, and Jules, why don't you kick us off? What uh, film? I a couple of weeks ago, I went to the cinema and I saw the new Pet Cemetery. Place to bury our pets and remember them. Might seem scary, but it's not. Perfectly natural. Just like dying is natural. The way this links to new is, well, one, it's a reboot. It put me in a bit of a quandary when I saw this film because I, I, I saw it because I'm a massive Stephen King fan and I love the original book. I came out and I enjoyed it immensely. I thought this is, that was a really good film. And I'm not one who really particularly likes horror movies. I need much more for my films in terms of character stuff. I went home, I went online, and I discovered that almost it had been universally panned. Like, everyone hated it. Uh, all the fans and all the other... I went down like, the letterbox reviews and it was just people shitting on this film and talking about how the original was so much better and Reddit comments and I think a few critics had sort of said, no, it was all right. But there was nobody that had my sort of like, oh, that was a good film. And it just stuck me with this very weird sense of, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> my taste is the complete well, opposite. Well, yes, but I mean, I don't know about yeah. this particular instance. Had it also taken a new direction? Well, that's the thing. It went in a lot of the the problems that people had comments with were that it didn't stick as close to the source material or specifically the film. Because the film is a lot, the first film, I should say, is a lot similar to the book. Um, Like in this, you know, a large part of one of the one of the events that happens that controls the way the story goes is different and that does give a different drive to what the, even the second half's like and the ending is completely different but you know with Stephen King you can kind of do a new ending you might you're rolling the dice if you're going to get something much better than the original mm. uh, it went into much newer rounds and because of its new ending and the new direction date I felt that it brought the themes of the original uh, into a clearer light. And I thought it did a better job in a lot of ways than even the original novel did of trying to tap into what Stephen King was trying to put across 
in his film on like family and grief and just this tone of just absolute grimness of what would happen if you lost a child and if you had to choose between bringing a child back or uh, letting them die and how the, the how you just the possibility of giving up on that idea and how it would drive someone to you know, grief would drive people insane and I thought this film touched on it better and yet everyone else is just they believe that the original was much better and they didn't like the fact that this was a new take on an old tale it, it was like it left a bitter taste in their mouth and I didn't care <laughs> very nice mm. very nice haven't seen it Good. wasn't planning to but uh, you, what you just said makes me more likely to I don't think you will like it. That's good to This is the thing. <laughs> I don't think you will. I mean, I did quite enjoy the, the film adaptation of it, but obviously it's more, it was more of a B-movie attempt. And the book is, is, is far deeper, as you say. Well, the original book isn't something that I think you can make a film out of without it being a bit silly if you do a direct adaptation of it, which is why I think the original film is a, bit, is a bit silly. And I don't, I don't find it particularly scary. And it's all right. It's much better as a book. So it's actually, yeah. in some ways, it's more true as far as you're concerned because it actually it taps into the, how it makes you feel. Exactly. I agree. It's a really grim story. Exactly. It's, a, it's an unpleasant tale. And what you're talking about is kind of a rejection of the new because... You're saying there's diehard fans, I'm assuming, who kind of don't like the fact it's been. They tampered. don't. They don't. It's 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 very odd because and, and let me wrong. I'm not saying like this is some sort of masterpiece I saw, but I everyone's like actually hating it and giving it like mm. one two out of tens and I don't think this is no. At worst, this is an average film, but it taps into something that I thought was very well done. Michael, what is your uh, take on the new? Uh, it was it was quite a. It was quite a generic word with quite a lot of different avenues you could go down. So I played around with this one quite a lot in my head. Uh, and I, I thought I had settled on the idea of going with the new girl and going with that kind of genre, um, which I quite liked the idea of. But then actually, um, sad events last month uh, really made my choice for me, which was uh, the death of Agnes Varda on the 29th of March. Mm. Um, I mean, I'd already kind of toyed with the idea of talking about new new wave films, new Vague films mm. uh, as the association, but with the with the passing of Agnes Varda, who I considered to be the greatest of the new wave directors, uh, I felt I had to talk about one of her films, so, I, so I'm going to. Nice. Uh, the film I've chosen is Le Bonheur from 1965, uh, which means happiness. In comparison to a lot of the other French new wave directors who I think uh, are on a very mental headspace kind of films. They're very they're, they're films you experience intellectually. I think Varda's films are much more grounded in emotion. Um, I think she's a much I don't know much better director than a lot of them sure, to be honest. Yeah. Um, she uses colour and, and framing really really nicely. The, the film Le Bonheur is about a family, you know, a, an idealistically sort of happy family. Um, you know, young young youngish couple with their two young kids, <laughs> and then the the guy falls in love with another woman who works at the post office and he thinks that he can have both basically that he mm. that, that happiness he starts to talk about happiness as being this additive um, that nothing is taken away from the relationship he has with his family due to this new relationship and then we see whether that really is true or not so it's it's amusing on the idea of how does happiness work uh, but it's quite it's, it's in many ways quite a cruel film but is uh, yeah it's a, it's, it's a very watchable film it's got a nice. it's got a lovely playful Mozart score behind it it's very much a film a, a summer film like almost all of the film takes place in this one season I think she's she is reflecting on the the fact that nothing really lasts even though all of the days in this film look like they could be the same we all know summer comes to an end and so does will will happiness fare oh, the same way? Nice metaphor. Um, but it's beautifully shot. I think uh, Agnes Varda's films are, all, are almost always very enjoyable um, to watch. So uh, yeah, sad sad to see her pass. Mm. Um, and that was my association with New. When was it? When Excellent. Was it made this film. It's nineteen sixty five. Right. So uh, within the new of, wave. Then. One of her films, mm -hmm. uh, Le Point Court, is considered by some to be the very first film of the Nouvelle uh, Vague. Uh, Nouvelle Vague. So Vogue. Nouvelle Vague. Nouvelle Vague. Vague new. She didn't do uh, from Cleo to five to seven. Yeah. That's fantastic. I think that's the only one I've seen of her so far. But that is yeah, that's fantastic. Another real classic. Yeah. Certainly a lot better than Goddard's work. Yes, I well, agree with that. <laughs> yes. In film news, he's, he's, he's 88 years old and he's just announced a new film. Couldn't he just die instead oh, and make films better? We might all be, at least in the Truffaut camp maybe, but uh, or maybe in Mike's uh, position, maybe not in either of those camps. Camp but um, let's not... Uh, <laughs> Can I go to camp? Let's no not wish him ill at this age. He's still, he's still Good really luck to him making a film at 88. He's still been knocking them out, hasn't he? He's made several films like, mm, in I, the last few years. I don't want to know about Goddard knocking them out. <laughs> okay. Um, Rob, over to you. Well, I'm... Um, Mine is is uh, quite a well-known film, 
picked. Uh, I recently got the opportunity to see it projected locally at an archive film night we have here in South Bend. So I picked Blackmail from 1929. It's not the first sound picture, uh, although it's an early one, and it's definitely Hitch's first, so it's new in that respect. It's a Hitchcock. In indeed, yes. It's um, relatively well known, but there are, there are so many great uses of the medium of sound implemented, even though it was originally going to be a silent film and had to be remodded quite quickly uh, to incorporate the new technology. But of course, you know, Hitch is a, is a dab hand with the silent film. It was kind of like a new toy for him, really. Mm. He's, he kind of told stories without sound so well. Even like in The Lodger, mm. he had to have uh, the idea of um, footsteps above. And he shot this kind of feet on a glass pane, kind of walking up and down, and then kind of mm. did an overlay onto the, onto the ceiling to give the impression. So he, yeah, so for sound, it was, as I say, it was, how, it was how close is this, was, was this to The Lady Vanishes? Because that's like 1938, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this is 29, so this oh, is... Also really yeah, quite on the cusp. Um, there's yeah. a nice moment, uh, talking of The Lady Vanishes, because mm. I think this occurs in that as well, there's a nice moment where two of the characters walk into a telephone booth, and we, the audience, can't hear them anymore. He uses it in Topaz, where it's exposition that we know already that he's giving to somebody else. So we don't need to know, so it's just a nice little... But he's, he's used that a few times. Um, the two main famous bits of trivia, one of them is that uh, Annie Ondra, the main actress, being Czech, had a bit of an accent. Um, so they had to do the old singing in the rain uh, routine with an on-set Joan Barry delivering her lines. Is that how they paid her? You asked me to let you hear your voice on the talking picture. <laughs> But Hitch, you mustn't do that. Why not? Well, because I can speak well. If you um, pop onto YouTube, you can see a sound test for Andra. You can tell it's not due to her being difficult to understand. She's fine. I've got, a, um, I've got a question. When they needed to check whether it was working, did they run a sound check? The squad van will be here any moment. No, really. Oh my God, I'm terribly frightened. When? Oh no! You have not come here. Stand in your place, otherwise. It will not come out right, as the girl said to the soldier. That's enough. The other bit of trivia is that Annie Ondra's character in the film uh, kills someone somewhat accidentally with a knife. Uh, and she has a gills about this throughout the film. So when she's around the dinner table with her family, um, they keep talking about passing the knife and so on. And all of the dialogue is sort of muffled in that kind of Charlie Brown adult way. You can't hear it until the word knife is uttered. So you have this knife. Did you say it cuts through the sound like a knife? Indeed, like exactly. A sonic knife. Exactly, a sonic knife. It's it's getting to her, and it's quite clever. So he, you know, Hitch using his bundle of sound tricks. So uh, it new for quite a lot of audiences. New for Hitchcock, and um, relatively new for the sound area, right on the cuff. Mm. Very cool. Fascinating stuff, Rob. All very interesting associations to the word new. Uh, now I guess we need to consult the book and uh, pick, our, pick our word for next time. Oh, Jules, you've got the Necronomicon in your hands. I can see the smoke rising from them. Jesus can you Christ. hold on long enough to, uh, to pluck a word from its unholy pages? I'll try. I'll try what I can, Mike. Okay? But it's... it's... <laughs> okay, I've got it. I've got it. Here we go. He needs to take his meds. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. All right, Rob, you hold him down. Okay. <laughs> Get the straps. That's the sound of it whacking against my leg. Thud. Thud. I'm going to uh, rifle through the pages. Mike, I want you to tell yeah, me when to stop on the page. Skim, whatever. Flick. Skim it like some... Milk. Scrub. Stop naming words for going through pages. <laughs> okay, okay. Mike, say uh, stop and I'll stop. Stop. Ooh. I think this is an early story based on it's probably like Dagon or something. Oh, Dagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very early one. Something about a fishing village. Right, Rob, where's the thing to stop? Uh, stop. <laughs> uh, okay, no, that's uh, that's good. The word is superstitious. Superstitious. Oh, I thought you were pointing at the one above that. No, it was like there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Which was paused. There you go. That's the alternate timeline that we. Yeah, the alternate, <laughs> the the alternate timeline. No, I was like, I was sort of like there. But we've got superstitious. Superstitious. A lot of material there. Of course, paused, the only answer would have been click. The uh, Adam Sandler vehicle. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you say uh, that with such love, Mike. I like some Adam Sandler films, of course. The, uh... I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, thanks very much, Jules. Close the book. Close it, close it. Oh, we're safe for another day. You should oh, have a book, really. Wait, this is my copy of Harry Potter. <laughs> so, we have a question from one of our listeners... Andrew Edmonds from Taiwan. Oh, goodness. Blimey. International following. He asks, I quote, 
What would the third of Chris Nolan's Batman movies been like if Heath Ledger hadn't died? Ooh. Better. Better. What happened to the Joker at the end of he's, the Dark Knight? I think the last he time we see him, he's, he's hanging, he's been caught by Batman, isn't he? Yeah. He's upside down. And Gordon's the there, so... He's upside down. Gordon's um, there, so the idea is he's been arrested. Yeah, I think he, he gets captured, yeah. right? And Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a good question because, obviously, the best thing about the second film is Heath Ledger and questionably Aaron Eckhart as well but he dies in the film and Heath Ledger died mm. in real life there's certainly a sense I think that the the Joker villain is uh, is the, the true antagonist to Batman and they, they make that clear in the movie you know they build up the personal connection between them that, that Batman can't beat him there's no way that Batman can actually win really in this in this fight between them it's an unresolved question I think had he been alive he would definitely have been in it and I think he I probably would have cribbed from another comic well I do remember reading a graphic novel. I do remember reading the David S. Goyer interview uh, where he was talking about what they were originally doing and they wanted to do God what's it called Nightfall that is the uh, Batman comic where Bane breaks Batman's okay. back right. and Anyway, you can't put the Joker in the background. Possibly not. Not yeah. like with the Scarecrow, who pops no. up in both of the others. Well, if you put him in the background with Bane, I don't feel like it could work. They'd work too well together. They're not compatible buddies. They're not at all. Mm. Down to Heath as well. He might have had another film. He was. I mean, he was. He was working on Terry Gilliam's Imaginarian of Doctor Panassus. Mm. He might have had another opportunity to do something else. And oh, thanks, Nolan. I've done the Joker. I don't want to do the Joker again. Possible. So it's not all Possible. down to Nolan. Then so. they would sit there in the meeting. They would have thought, how are we going to even make a story to pitch to Ledger of this being a good movie to follow on? So they would have even, it would have been like a poisoned chalice to start with because what could you pitch to Ledger in that situation to get him on board? Well, here's what I would pitch. Unless he was contracted, sorry. I would pitch a kind of Silence of the Lambs style thing where you have... Uh, the Joker still okay, that's good. currently okay. there. He's important. He isn't really in the background. Um, we don't know whether he's masterminding things uh, still or whether he just has respect for... I mean, the problem would be just it being too similar. You'd have to be careful about it. Yeah, because it's a cool idea. It's like what it. we were talking it's about a good idea. Before. Take a classic film. But I'm wondering how you... <laughs> Because would the Joker escape at the end like Hannibal Lecter? Like in Silence of the Lambs, so it works. Would you have a makeupless Joker? You could do. I mean, that, that's the sort oh, of thing that I think would maybe appeal to Ledger as like it would at least mm. be something different. Like you know, maybe he claims that he's a new man at the end, and it's kind of plus if it's a smaller part, I've, you just I've, have to be in one I've location. My, film would be cheaper. I've hurt my role. Can I, you know, can I be let out? Sort of thing. Which maybe might work hearing. with Bane because Bane is because he's dissimilar to the Joker. It means the Joker can give advice on how to find, but it can actually be like, is the Joker lying to me, or is it simply that he is not quipped to be able to give Batman the advice he needs to fight Bane? So you, you create a sort of a, a tension and a conflict there with Batman. Hmm. I still... It probably would have been better than the actual film we got, which I thought was kind of rubbish. This is true. Yeah. That's a forgettable film. Uh, great question. Thanks very much, Andrew from Taiwan. <laughs> uh, I think that's about all we have time for. So uh, without further ado, thank you very much, Rob. Thank you very much, Jules. And thank you very much to all of you out there for listening. Uh, please do write in with your comments, requests, questions... Uh, and until then, uh, see you next time in uh, some guy's parents' house uh, for another episode. Goodbye! Bye! Bye, films! Shazam! <laughs> Great, let's watch football. <laughs>